listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Along with Mr. Ty, Kyrie, and Nikki, we're here until midnight. Then it's Sports Center all night on 98.7 ESPN. Interesting discussion with Carlin, right? Talking about the NBA and what's going on with the players. And when you talk about interesting discussions and what's going on with players and what's going on with owners and what's going on with the commissioner, it is Major League Baseball. That's where we begin tonight. That's where our poll question is, and I'll tell you about that in just a second. It's really interesting because I'm going to uh, ask you to play the blame game with me tonight because that's what I'm interested in. Because I don't know where this is going to end. I do know that, listen, the commissioner still has the option. He can enforce a 40 to 45 game season, right? He can say, look, we're going to play baseball. We're going to do this. Let's go out there. We'll figure this out. <laughs> Players and owners. And so if, if Manford works for the owners, he's got a really, really tough spot. It was a very interesting discussion on the Michael K show today. Michael K, Don LeGrec, and Peter Rosenberg were battling about where exactly does Rob Manfred fall on the blame game here? Okay, we understand that he's the commissioner. We also understand that he's a commissioner that works for the owners. So how much blame does he get? How much credit does he get? Where is the line drawn where he works for the owners but doesn't work for the owners. He works for the owners, but he's also involved in, you know, setting the governing face of baseball from an administrative standpoint. We know he's not the face of baseball. It's Mike Trout. It's, you know, Aaron Judge. It's Gary Cole. It's, you know, it, it, it's a number of different players, right? It could be anybody on the field. But ultimately, when you look, and it was not more striking than it was last night, when you looked at Greeny talking to the other commissioners and you could just see they just seem to handle their sport a little better. Even Roger Goodell came off as far as having a plan. Okay. And this is the closest one I can compare Rob Manford to because the NFL hasn't started. Major League Baseball hasn't started. But it just seemed as though that Goodell has more of a pulse on what's going on and how things have been structured in the National Football League than Rob Manfred has. And unfortunately for Rob, this has not been a good couple of years for him. Also on his resume is the situation with the Astros stealing. Nobody penalized. Also on his resume is the Boston Red Sox with their situation. Nobody penalized. All right. And then some of the things that people like and don't like about some of the changes that he wants to make to, quote, liven up, unquote, the game of baseball from the commissioner's position. Well, you know, let's put a timer between pitches, you know, three pitch, three batter minimum. You know, let's put a clock on all these different things that he's trying to do. 
And listen, I understand that he's looking to put his mark on the sport. I understand that he wants to try to improve the sport because he hears the same complaints from young people who think the game is too slow. The game is boring. Nobody cares. Why is there no fun? You flip a bat, you, you, you're ducking into the dirt on the next time up or your teammate is because you think you're going to get hit by a pitch. You flip a bat, it's done. So I understand that he's coming in and trying to add a new, a new wrinkle to the sport of baseball. I got it. I would do the same thing if I were him. So he has to be able, though, to find a way to manage his role as the front, the, the face of baseball and also making sure that he gets these, these folks playing. All right. And I understand from an owner's, from as far as him working for the owners, he represents them. I know. And so when you're talking about the language of negotiation, it just seems as though that he's kind of not doing what he could. And is that unfair? Yeah, it might be. It might be unfair looking on the outside. It could be. But all I know is this. It appeared as though in March they had an understanding. Both sides had an understanding. Both sides came up with discussions for protocol as far as COVID-19 was concerned. Both sides had kind of a, a framework of where they were going to be games-wise. How many games were they going to be? It seemed like both sides had a framework as to whether we were going to be in the bubble, where we were going to be in Florida, where we were going to be in Arizona, wherever we were going to be. It just seemed as though there was a framework available. And that the money was okay. I mean, nobody was talking about money. We weren't dealing with money. The, the money thing was understood. And then all of a sudden, when they find out there's no fans, then here it comes. The, the salaries have to be, you know, we have to revise them. Okay. So now here's my thought process. As a commissioner back then, when you say revise them, what does that mean? Are we revising them how? Is it 50%? Is it 70%? Is it 60%? Is it 20%? What is, what is the definition of revision? And see, that's where I believe he messed up. It was incumbent upon him to make sure to see that obviously this money thing was going to be an issue. Okay, we understand the owners and the players don't trust each other. We understand that the owners don't want to show their books to the players. We get all that. And we understand that the owners really don't like the baseball union because they're one of the best unions in this country. They rule with an iron fist. And you keep trying to do some things. And listen, the owners have gotten some you know, boost. They've made some money and, and and look at the job that Manfred's done as far as getting a new contract for TV and has not been playing baseball yet. So for him to be able to negotiate that and then not see this come up the way it is to understand that, you know, that it's going to be money. You understand, you know, money's going to be an issue. It always is, especially among these two parties. 
That's what's so disappointing to me. That's what's so disappointing that we have arrived to where we are right now. Which is not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be right now getting ready for folks to, you know, get to get get to spring training and be ready and say, okay, we're going to go what? Fourth of July. <laughs> that's what, right? That That's what it was supposed to be. Fourth of July, we're going to be playing baseball. And now we're not even close. We don't even know when we're going to be playing baseball. We're not even sure if we're going to be playing baseball. That's the scary thing where we are right now. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Who's more to blame for baseball's debacle? Rob Manfred, the commissioner, the players, or the owners? And uh, so far... A number of you have gotten what I've done, and that is to separate Rob Manford as the commissioner as opposed to Rob Manford who works for the owners where you might lump them together. Okay, so um, that's not where we're it's not where we're going with that. So I wanted to do make sure that, um, you know. That I did it that way. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, Ant-Man has, hashtag boycott, uh, where he says, Larry, can I vote again? That was a trick question, Manfred and the owners. No, I did it that way to separate them. Okay. I don't want you to lump Manfred and the owners together. I want you to look at the commissioner as maybe having been a person that could have looked ahead, could have done a different, could have been a little stronger negotiations. Maybe did some things where he met privately with certain owners to influence other owners to make sure that they give in just this time for the bottom line of getting baseball back on the field for this short period of time. And then, you know what? When the next, when the next bargaining agreement comes up, that's when you guys can draw a letter in the sand, draw a line in the sand and have your fun. But for right now, in this situation, and by Manfred's own words, what he told Mike Greenberg last night on ESPN's Sports Center special, The Return of Sports, he said, it's a disastrous look for Major League Baseball. Okay, if you're screwing up with a regular season, that's bad enough. But to screw up in a situation like this, when you've got millions and millions and tens of millions of people out of work in this country because of COVID-19. This is just bad. It looks inconsiderate. And at this point in time, you know, we normally understand it's business. But under this scenario, it doesn't look good business at all. Let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Sal in Brooklyn. You're batting leadoff, Sal, on 98.7. Larry, Larry. Number, is it batting number two, Derek Jeter. What's up, Larry? How are you, my man? <laughs> How you doing, Sal? 
everything good. You know, and, and don't forget the, the owners cut off a whole bunch of minor league teams as well. Yes, this they year, did. You know, every all the small affiliates, so they're, they're definitely tightening their budget. Uh, you know, pulling their belt a little tighter, yep. trying to increase their profits. Uh, uh, Manfred again, he is the mouthpiece, but he could do a better job of somewhat negotiating. You know, getting the owners in line. Mm-hmm. and then getting the players lined up. But these negotiations from Jump Street went bad. When Scott Boris was leading the charge before Tony Clark can even talk, yeah. and then reports were coming out from the owner's side, you know, they let it get ugly before it even got started. And right now at this point, like you just said, my brother, how many people are out of work? Yeah. Or half the country? Well, it's not half the country. A lot of people are not working. A whole lot of folks. Yeah. And so shame on the players, you know, for uh, – for Blake Snell to say, I can't pitch for $2.5 million. I know I'm mm-hmm. bringing home 750000 You know, it's nothing to sneeze at. I get it from an athlete's perspective, and I'm never one to count somebody else's pocket. I never mm-hmm. look in their pocket. But owners can do what they do. They're owners. Yeah. They're owners. Right. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. If ESPN decides, listen, we got less commercials, we're going to have to start making cuts somewhere, we can't say, hey, we demand everybody stays because there's just no room for it. Yeah. And right now, once you get rid of attendance, for the Yankees or, you know, for, for Boston, it's not bad because they draw two and a half, three million fans a year. Mm-hmm. But you go to mm-hmm. Kansas City, you go to Pittsburgh, they're drawing 1.5. It changes. That's so right. by the time you get all 30 teams together to see what they can do, and then they're going to say we're losing attendance, it yeah. makes sense because they got their bean counters in there doing what they're doing. But Absolutely. shame on the players for not just saying, listen, let's go to work. And yeah. then you can put it on the owners because now you're going to say, look, we're ready to play for 50 cents. We're here to play. And then it turns on the owners, and fans can really get mad. Right now, it, it, I'm still putting it on the players, my man. I'm sorry. It, no, it's okay, Sal. And and what's so interesting about this is because you you look at where the sport is right now, and it's it's the perfect time, Sal, that they could be doing oh, something. They could be reaching it, new it, fans. They could be doing this. It's a wasted opportunity. It's, it's embarrassing. It's a major wasted opportunity. And I'll be honest, it, it – from listening to some of the players in the NBA, it don't look like they're too far behind either trying to drop the ball again the season started with them either. So yeah, it's yeah. just amazing. All it takes is that one. You know, you get that one leak in the dam and then everybody follows suit. It won't happen in football again because I said it before, Vegas is involved with the mm-hmm. NFL. And once mm-hmm. you stop the money, you don't want to stop that flow. You turn the faucets on. Yeah. And now that Vegas opened up and the NFL's around the corner, and amazing how Roger Goodell, first they, 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 they were bowing down to Trump, the flag, the flag, the flag, and now it's, oh, we made a mistake. It took mm-hmm. you four years to realize that this guy was full of crap and you made a mistake. Please, go tell yeah. that to somebody else, not here. That's All right. right. Always, a, always a pleasure, brother. You know Same that. here, Sal. Have a Thank great you. night and always be safe, man. You too. You too, Sal. Thanks for checking in. 1-800-919-3776. Look, let's face it. You can come down on the side of the owners. You can come down on the side of the players. They're both at fault here. They're both at fault because they both are going to lose money regardless. They both are. They both are going to lose money. The owners are going to lose money clearly because of the fact that, you know, they got no fans. The players are going to lose money because they're not going to be able to play the the amount of games that they normally would be able to play to get a full season. And then you look at the amount of games that they're talking about, 40 to 50 games, and you've got fans who have spoken out to say, you're going to tell me that this is a legitimate championship? 
a legitimate World Series champion for 40 to 50 games? That, that, that would be, that would be what? A third of the regular season? A, a quarter of the regular season? When you don't have a 162? I mean, you know, it's hard. It's hard. And on the other side of it, you look at the players, they're like, hey, and some are ready to play. And see, that's what's so interesting about this. Because you know, there are a number of players who are ready to go right now. It's in a lot of ways, it's similar to what you see in the, in the National Football League, where you know that the National Football League is going to be very, very tough for them to get a work stoppage because the salaries are so top heavy in the league that the guys who are struggling, right? Who are at the lower end, they can't afford, they, they cannot afford to strike. They can't afford to sit out. There's no way they can afford to sit out. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Brian, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, brother? What's up, Brian? Not much. Great song selection. Um, <laughs> listen, <laughs> the problem with baseball is that, and I realized this today after uh, listening to Carlin and um, uh, uh, Jared Dudley talking, mm-hmm. um, baseball, the reason that this isn't working for baseball, and it's kind of, actually, it's kind of really short-sighted on their part, it's kind of insulting, but like, they, um, and I'm saying it as a as an African-American male, but like, you know, they have not talked about the issues at all. They're literally, like you said, arguing over their money, and they haven't even mentioned what they can do as a sport, as a league, to affect the change, the same change that the NBA players are talking about. Mm-hmm. That's why it's not working, and that's why when and if they don't have a season – uh, at least in certain communities, baseball is going to be an afterthought. No one's yeah. going to care about them because they don't care about us. You know, it's interesting, Brian, and and thanks for the phone call. It's interesting because, as I just said to Sal, here was an opportunity for them to reach out to some folks. And listen, when I when I talk about some of the things that Rob Manford is trying to get done and make adjustments and try to speed the game along and make it you know, more palatable for a younger audience. I understand what he's trying to do. I mean, when I was coming up as a young man watching baseball, if you had a three, four hour game, it was extra innings. It was not a nine inning game. (laughs) It wasn't a nine inning game. There wasn't a parade of pitchers going to the mound. There wasn't a parade of catchers going to the mound. There wasn't the pitching coach every two minutes. I mean, you could go through an inning with a reliever. And they're going out, in and out. And, and, you know, they try to do the thing where you can't go to the mound, but for X amount of times. So they, you can see that they're working to try to do some things to change the game somewhat, to make it a little easier to watch. But here's the bottom line, ladies and gentlemen. Until they get out, this whole idea, and this is something, you know, that really Tony Clark's going to have to have with the rank and file. All right. The celebration, the bat flip, the, 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 you know, the show of emotion in baseball is something that, you know, 
you can't do. Because if you do, there's going to be somebody's going to pay. The pitcher's going to feel like he's been shown up. Not that he should do a better job in getting the pitch, at, <laughs> making a better pitch, or not that you know he he gave you his best pitch and you just tipped your cap to the batter because he got you. But throwing at somebody, hitting somebody because the guy in front of you hit the home run. And remember, it's not even that they hit the guy that hit the home run. They hit somebody else, not even the guy who hit the home run. So it's things like that. And when you are, quote, America's pastime, unquote, and you're trying to get that role back and you're trying to get that title back and you have that opportunity in this scenario, as you have, it's just, it's just, it's a missed opportunity for both sides. And look, I know that the normally fans, and it's been my experience that normally fans always side with the owners. They, 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 they blame the players a lot. They do. The players make money. The players do this. I mean, you know, let's face it. In this scenario, the players are, Taking the risk. Players are on the field. Owners are in the stand. Owners are in the box. If they're in the stadium at all. You know, this is, this is a little different. Is it a bad look for players to complain about the amount of money because there's so many folks unemployed? Yeah, it is. It is. There's no questions about it. It is. But they're being honest with you. And it's a business. And some of them don't even want to come back, even as far as the money's concerned. Some of them are concerned. And why shouldn't they be? Because in a number of the places where teams are supposed to be playing, the COVID-19 pandemic is spiking. So they are concerned. And yeah, I know. Maybe it turns out that they don't play, which is what some of you think anyway. That they should just not play. That we shouldn't have any of the sports come back. Because it's too dangerous. But these teams, leagues, from a business model, from a business standpoint, they have to get out there and try to do something. Otherwise, it's going to really affect their bottom line down the road. After missing this season, do you know what salaries are going to drop? Substantially, I would think. And, you know, Sal mentioned it earlier. Look at how many players and team minor league affiliates. <laughs> Just like <laughs> furloughed. Bye. See ya. Go home. We're not paying you. We're not. Antoine's in Jersey. Hey, Antoine, you're next on 98.7. How's it going, Larry? It's been a while. Thanks for taking my call as always. You got it, Antoine. I'm looking at the situation with Major League Baseball, and both sides are to blame because this would have been a perfect opportunity for them to come together to be the perfect distraction for what's been going on these last few months. I mean, my thing about it is this. They could have, once they came up with that agreement in March, that would have been the time to start putting together the fail-safe, Mm-hmm. The testing and everything else. Told all the players, listen, go home, get your stuff done and everything else. Then after that, come early, like early May, report back to Arizona, report back to Florida. We want to keep you guys quarantined for X amount of time. And after you guys are quarantined, then we're going to start working out. We'll put together a schedule. And then the perfect 
schedule or worked for Major League Baseball would have been this. You come back on July 1st, you only have one game played. You get the Blue Jays and whoever are playing because July 1st is Canada today. Blue Jays is the only team that represents north of the border. That would have been a perfect distraction for them because they're going through their issues as well. And then after that, July 2nd, July 3rd, maybe had a couple of games or maybe had no games at all. And then come July 4th, everyone's playing. It's Independence Day. It's the perfect distraction. I mean, despite all the stuff that's been going on with COVID-19 and all the protesting and everything else going on in other cities, it would have served as the perfect distraction. These teams could have worked together. The players, the owners, the umpires, everyone could have worked together to say, this is what we can do. Despite all the situation that's going on, this is what we're doing to help bring this country together to be the perfect distraction for what's going on. Right now, what they don't realize is this. The NBA got something together. Now it sounds like who knows what's going to happen. The NHL got something together and give them credit because they got it done and they went even into news. You got Major League Soccer putting something together as well. They'll be coming back soon. The WNBA is going to be kicking off. And Major League Baseball needs to realize and they don't get this stuff together and get their heads out of there. You know what? You know, they're going to definitely be an afterthought from now to the end of the calendar year. And I think if Tony Clark really is the president of the Players Association, he should have just told them this. Listen, now is not the time to talk about money. This is what we're going to do. We're going to either play with a prorated salary for this season or we'll take half for this season, and then we'll hopefully we'll talk about prorated next season. Other than that, you don't mention anything about money whatsoever. Don't talk about it. Don't do interviews about it. Don't do anything via social media. Don't tweet it. Don't put it on TikTok. Don't put it anywhere whatsoever. I guarantee you if they would have done all that and never mentioned money, they'd be playing the games right now. I would have preferred an 82-game season. I can live with that. That's at least half the season. I'll mm-hmm. think of 50% of a season and only 25 to 30% of a season. Because this is getting ridiculous. And it's unfair. And you got to put the blame on both the owners and the players on this, and unfortunately the one person that's going to take the blame for a lot of this is Rob Manfred. Very passionate, Antoine. Thanks for the phone call. I hear you. And Manfred's going to take part of the blame. And where I would agree that he should get part of the blame is the fact that he was unable to do any sidebars or side deals to get folks to understand, to get some owners to work with other owners. And get to the table and for Clark to speak with Tony Clark and understand just how, just how bad this looks for the sport and for his players. Because no matter how much money the owners have, it's the players who always come off being greedy, right? The owners get the TV money. The owners get all this different revenue. When they have a full stadium, the owners get concessions. The owners get this. The owners get that. Players get a salary. And understand this. Owners don't pay players more than they can pay them. If they don't have the money, they don't pay them. They'll try to make a trade. I mean, figure this out. And Ty and I were talking about this. Look at what the Marlins did. Now, you and I both know that when the Marlins gave Giancarlo Stanton that deal, even though logically as the deal goes further, right, it ends up being better for them because of the fact that if his numbers continued the way they were going, he would be worth more money. 
So by locking him into a long-term deal at a salary, it was really a good deal for them, in theory. But the Marlins knew as soon as they made that deal that they were not he was not going to make that whole contract out in Florida. They were going to move him like they did. And they would get some other draft choices and other young players and start their team that way. As they always do. When the Marlins win, Marlins won the championship, they split that team right up. Didn't care. Because they wanted to, quote, save money, unquote, Whereas if they really wanted to save money, why would they sign Giancarlo Stanton to such a long contract? A major deal like that for that many years. You're listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Trey is in Brooklyn, Texas. Joins us next on 98.7. Hey, Trey. What's up, Larry? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, but I'm not doing as well as our good friend Chris out there in Manhattan. Happy born day to that man right yeah, there. Yeah, he, he started early. He did. You did it too, Larry. <laughs> you want to start with the good morning stuff. <laughs> he did it early. He didn't even realize it was his birthday day. He didn't realize the birthday didn't even start it. Hey, hey, I called him earlier personally to tell him happy born, man. That's big right Look there, you. you know. Look at you. Yeah, when we come on. Come on, Larry. Where we come from, man, we we happy to make it to the, to the ages. You yeah, know what I'm saying? We happy to see it. <laughs> please. <laughs> Especially we, today. You ain't it. <laughs> Especially today. Yes, sir. You, oh, yes, yes sir. you are so yes, right. Yes, sir. Oh, and I'm in man. Texas, man. I was on the phone with Chris earlier, and I was mm-hmm. telling him, I said, they got the little kid, they got the kids out in the park practicing Little League football already, but this is Texas, so you know they do it out here like that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but, but Larry, Larry, what are you talking about, bro? No social distancing? Nothing. Yeah, sure. sure. Oh, Larry, it was yeah. scary to watch that. Yeah, I ain't going to well, lie to you. What are they like, doing? What, what, what are they doing? The toss? Six feet apart? Yeah. Is that what they're doing? They're yeah, practicing yeah, the toss? Right. Man, them coaches are right up in them kids' face. Of course they are. Yellow. Oh. Larry, without a mask, good, man. No mask, Larry. I of course no not. Mask. No, sir. I didn't of course see no not. Mask. <laughs> How yeah. are the kids going to hear them? <laughs> <laughs> Larry, this is you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's sadly unbelievable. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, you know, prayers up to everybody that's out in them parks and taking them risks, man. I'll be in Absolutely. the house talking to Larry Hardesty. I'll be in the house. We're that good. sounds good. That, that sounds good. <laughs> and, and you know what? And here's the other thing too, Trey. While you mention it, it's mm-hmm. been on my mind to say something about it. Okay. I I really am I am just overjoyed and overwhelmed with the number of protesters, mm-hmm. with uh, the the diversity of the protesters. But trade dog on it, I'm really concerned about these protesters rolling with these masks, with mask, without mask, and no social distancing. And yeah, I sir. understand. And, and, and there's people who are just criticizing them and, and double standards and stuff like that. And I get it. And it's true. But here's the thing. It, it's what in an ideal world, would we love them to be social distance in the protest? Yes, we would. We would. Mm-hmm. But it just goes to me. It goes to show how desperate they want to show that things need to change, that they're putting their lives on the line, Trey. Yeah. 
Yeah. By and marching it, it, like that. You know, some with masks, mask. some without masks. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. in, in the perfect world, I would love for them to try to remember the social distancing if possible. I really would. It would be great. And I'm concerned to see where the numbers are going to go the next two weeks, Trey. I'm really concerned about it. I am. And the, I'm really concerned sad, about it. The, the sad part about it is, Larry, this can all be stopped with mitigation. Look at the other countries. Yeah. Look at the other countries that are opening slowly. Look at the other countries that took it seriously. You know, sometimes we're too American for our own damn good, aren't we? You're yeah. not going right to take this from me. You ain't going to take this from me. Well, you're right about that. Tell that to the tell that to the hundred and twenty thousand people that had to that, that those people had to plan funerals. Yeah. Think about that, man. You know, I know maybe it didn't hit you personally, and maybe you maybe it did, and you got over it. But man, mm-hmm. we're gonna lose. We're gonna hit the mark, Larry. By 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 damn by the end of the summer that the CDC put out back in March, where we thought mm-hmm. that was unbelievable. We'll never hit that number, Larry. We're gonna hit that number. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievably irresponsible, Larry. It's sad. It's sad. But uh, Larry, let's go to work because we got yeah. some people to talk to. Yes, we do. We got to go to work. We got to get moving. Uh, we begin tonight with the folks at the Pilgrim Psychiatric Center over in West mm. Brentwood, New York, and. Okay. There are folks right now who are struggling, Trey, with mm-hmm. being inside, with yeah. loss of jobs, with trying to deal with the kids being home and trying to teach them stuff in school, with just dealing with this whole pandemic and, and how, it, yeah. you know, and dealing with just life sometimes. Yeah. Those folks at the Pilgrim Psychiatric Center over in West Brentwood do a phenomenal job. So this is partially COVID, but it's also COVID related because of Absolutely. how it's forced forced us to change our lives right now. And you know, it's 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 a real tough adjustment, and we still haven't gotten Absolutely. used to it. So we mm-hmm. we thank them tonight. Yes, sir, and I, I second that. And you know, like you said, this is not just a physical thing, man, but it's going to test your mental as well. You know. It's going to test your resolve. It's going to test everything that's inside you, you know. So, yeah, shout out to them and the work that they're doing because we're going to need them, too. We can't forget about the, the mental health experts out here, too. We can't we can't forget about them. We're going to need them pretty much, and especially after this is over, with just to yeah, cope. That's right. You see what I'm saying? And some Absolutely. people cope in different ways, so we're going to need them. So shout out to them. All right, we're going to head up to Nyack tonight, Larry. We're going to Montefiore Nyack Hospital. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to shout them out. They're doing great work up there. So we just want to say everybody out there on 160 North Midland Ave, man, out there in Nyack, thank y'all for all the hard work y'all do and the sacrifice that y'all put out every day to keep us safe and to let us talk to Larry and the rest of the crew at ESPN New York because it means the world to us that we can do this for just to get away as a little escape. And y'all play a big part in in helping us do that. So thank y'all. Shout out to y'all. Absolutely. And thank you for what you do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, and uh, well, real quick, I know we got, mm-hmm. I know we up against it. Real quick, I want to say shout out to Mike from Queens, man. You go find something, man. You know yep. what I'm saying? You go find. Keep your head up. Keep your head up. I know it's tough, but keep your head up, man. It's the most important thing. Plus, you're from Queens, man, so you ain't got no choice but to keep your head up. Get out of here. Sure, that's you know what I'm saying. Yep, absolutely. All right, and uh, this is simple, Larry. Todd Boogie said it. <laughs> I'll never sign with a billionaire, man. You know what I'm saying? You know that. <laughs> you know they they got they they got all my problems in their right pocket. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? Right. So, right. you know, I'm not, yeah, I'm never going to do that. You know, and Ty's absolutely 100% on point as always. It, it's sad that they, it's sad that they can actually play the mind game and have fans mad at the players. Mm-hmm. It's sad. I, I, I sit back and I'm like, how the hell can you be mad at the players? 
they 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 only doing what, what they allowed to do through the owners. The owners pull a string. Mm-hmm. This right. is and, and don't get mad at Rob Manfred, man. He's just bro, he's just he is the liaison to the owners. He has no power. He got mm-hmm. a fat pocket, but he's no he is you know, Michael K and Ty are all right on point. You cannot get mad at the players on this. This is all all one thousand percent the owners, man, and their greed. You know, you just signed a, how many? How much? How many billions for t- uh, TBS? Yeah, it's oh, a, yeah unbelievable. It's, and and, and you be, cry, they'll, be, they'll, they'll be they'll be able to pay their bills on time. Man, there's that old saying, man, that the owners in baseball are like a lady that's that's screaming broke, screaming hungry when you got a Virginia ham and you ain't got no bread. Like, get out of here, man! All that money you got, stop playing. Stop playing and do right by them and do right by the players and let's get on with this already. Because as, as we have it, Larry, they're gonna have enough season for one daggone series and then we gotta right. jump right into the World Series. You're right. You know what I'm saying? That's and it's disgusting. Go. Like I told you last night, New York had a great chance this year to do something special. Both both teams. Mm-hmm. And now that's squandered. You know what I'm saying? We waited all this time to get Gary Cole squandered. Wanna see what Peter Lonzo's gonna do in his second year? Squandered. Man, give me a break, man. Those billionaire owners are jokes, man. Absolute jokes. They Absolute are. joke. But all right, real quick, real quick, Dev, uh, Devin Vassell out of Florida State. Larry, mm-hmm. Larry, let me tell you something. I didn't say it last night because I didn't want to I didn't want to overstep it. I wanted to sleep on it. Mm-hmm. Larry, do you know who this man plays defense like? No, who? A young, young, very young, Sidney Moncrief. Really? Mm. Lockdown defender. A, wow. a, a plus defender. He's a false multiplier on the defensive end. And like I told you last night, he shoots 41-5 from three. He's still raw offensively. Yeah, that's what I mean. He can stroke it, man. He got a high release like like KD. And now uh-huh. I'm not saying he strokes it like KD. No, no, no. I got you. Five, you can, yeah, 41-5. The numbers don't lie on that. You know what I'm nope. saying? Uh, nope. Smooth athletically. Uh, he's got to get stronger. Because he's he's a, he's a little thin, he got to get stronger. But I like his wingspan. He's got a little indecision when he cut uh, when he when he cuts on um, when he when he cuts to the basket. A little indecisive. He's got to get better with that. You know, lateral movement is good. He moves his hips extremely well on defense. Slides his feet perfectly. It reminds me of a he reminds me of a, a taller, younger, and I mean younger in in, in the mental side as well. Sidney Moncrief. That's what I saw last night. Yeah. Interesting. He's a, he's, a, he's a really good defender, man, and a hell of a shooter. He's going to make somebody very happy in the league. Oh, God, he's going to make somebody happy. Wow. Because he's a 3 and D guy, and that's what you want. In the, that's what this league is. Yeah, it's true. That's what they yeah. are. And and defense is a, is a plus. That's a bonus. That's a bonus. Thanks, Trey. Adam's in Brooklyn. Hey, Adam, you're next on 98.7. Hey, Larry, how you doing tonight? Good. What's up, Adam? So before I get to my point, I have a question. Um, the players won Porrata. So does, does that mean that if, if a player gets injured in the first game, he's only going to he's only going to get paid for one game, or like how does that exactly work? Yeah, I think so. It's, he's paid per game. The amount of games that that's what that, that's how they're doing it. So it's prorated. Salary is prorated. Right, so, uh, so if they were playing, yeah, if no, they no, were no. playing, if they were playing eighty-two games, they would get fifty percent of their salary. That's what they would get. Uh, yeah. So, um, first of all, the Manfred, you you, you cannot blame him. He's just taking orders from the from the owners. You know, he, he can't blame him. He, he, he just he's, he's an innocent guy over here. Uh, so I ask you have to blame the owners and you have to blame the players. You know, the owners on their part, they're losing forty percent. But I, I think the owners are making more than forty percent profit a year, and the players, you know, the just take the you know like take at least ten percent, twenty percent off your pro ride. You know, it's not going to kill you. I mean, you got guys who can't get bread and you're 
and you're fighting, if you're going to have, uh, you're, you're fighting over millions. So, you know, like everybody just grow up. I hear you, Adam. I hear you. Thanks for the phone call. Just keep in mind that when we talk about it, we, we always think about the Giancarlo Stans, the Garrett Coles, the guys who make the big money. Everybody does not make 35 million a year playing major league baseball. There are some guys on the roster in the major leagues that are not making that, that a whole lot of money in relationship to sports salaries, not in relationship to your salary, but in relationship to sports salaries, even on the same team. So keep that in mind. When we talk about millionaires and billionaires, yeah, we're talking about the upper echelon, but everybody on those teams don't make a whole lot of money. Sam's in Flatbush. Hey, Sam, you're next on 98.7. Hey, what's going on, Uncle Al? What's up, Sam? Hey, good. About the owners and the players who are playing for it, first of all, I don't even want to have this conversation because that's what the owners want, and that's what the mm. players want. They want to stop blaming sides, okay? I personally think it's the owner's fault because because I don't care if you're going to lose money. You have to let your sport grow. Plus, like what you were just saying before, that there are players that let people be in the league for three for, for four years at $3 million, right? So mm-hmm. they'll make $12 million over their career. Now, when I'm talking about the John Carlos that and the Steelers of the world. We're talking about the, the, the players, right? So you're being the year leave four years, so three million a year. So you'll have twelve million at the end of your career. That that's enough to be set for life. But now if you're only at seven or eight, right, or you make it out less than that, losing one year of your career could be that you're not gonna have you're gonna still be set for life. You're not gonna have as large as life. So for some players, it really makes a difference. So so that's that's why players are mad. It's not it's not the I think John Collins fan really cares though. It's those players. Plus, well, I have a question for you. The 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 protests. I'm talking about the peaceful protests, one hundred percent. We're going off the last it's over three weeks now, right? Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a big spike in New York. So you see that if you're outside, not even everyone there is wearing masks, it's done. And they're, and they're not social distancing at all. Why can't baseball stadiums do outdoors with everyone wearing masks and every other seat, which is like four or five feet away from each other? I don't think, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I can barely do, I figured out I can't do fourth grade math, science, any, I mean, um, fourth grade science homework anymore. I think we've all been figuring that out, but I'm not a scientist. I really don't know, but if you see it, there's no spike in New York. There's no crazy spikes around the country because of the protests. There's spikes about other stuff because of protests that are outdoors. Maybe you can have baseball with some fans. Maybe you can have football with some fans outdoors. Well, I think, Sam, thanks for the phone call. I think the issue is going to be whether the states are going to allow the large groups of people working together. Now, obviously, protest is really not the state allowing it. It's really people making their own decisions. But when you start talking about going to public venues like baseball stadiums, football stadiums, uh, basketball arenas, that's a little different. And so when you look at gatherings, that's why even churches are not even allowed to have large gatherings yet. So... I don't think that from a uh, medical standpoint, they're ready to make that jump just yet. That's why, I mean, look at New York. They're still in phase two. Okay. They're still, they're, they're going to phase two in New York. All right. So they're still slowly getting things together. Uh, no need to rush the fans back. I understand what you're saying, that that would help the owners and the owners would then get their money, but no need to rush the fans back just yet. You are listening to the ESPN New York Tonight podcast with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. 